have no idea whether it's working. <laughs> it's working. Yeah. Well, uh, good morning, everybody, and uh, welcome to the last day of TBRCon 2021. We'll tear. Uh, but for those who may be joining for the first time this week, because that might be happening, uh, my name is David Walters, and I run the book blog, fanfightaddict.com. Uh, before we really get into it, while this is a completely free convention, we do have three amazing charities we're raising donations for, uh, Shelter, No Kid Hungry, and World Wildlife Fund. There are links provided below, but if they do decide to be a little temperamental, you can always go to fanfightaddict.com and click on the TBRCon 21 link at the top of the page. Any and all donations are greatly appreciated. Uh, so we are here to talk this morning about gods, goddesses, demigods, and everything in between with my esteemed group of panelists and Michael Fletcher. Uh, but before the slaughter <laughs> begins, I want my panelists to introduce themselves or one another, whichever pleases the gods the most. But I'll just have everybody introduce themselves. So, Tom, we'll start with you. Okay. Uh, I'm Tom Lloyd. I've done, well, 12 fantasy books now. Um, first one was Stormcaller. Uh, I just finished the series of Michael. Ah, Michael J. Sullivan. You can see it right there underneath my face. Uh, <laughs> I've been published since about 2008. I've published 17 novels, um, uh, otherwise known as Legends of the First Empire, Ryura Revelations, Ryura Chronicles, uh, which came out through Orbit and Del Rey, uh, one after the other. And I've uh, been on the bestsellers list for New York Times, Washington Post, and USA Today. Mm -hmm. All the things. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad I'm following that. Um, <laughs> um, I'm, uh, the name says John Hollins. I'm not John Hollins. That's a lie. My name is Jonathan Wood, but uh, I wrote uh, the Dragon World series under the name John Hollins, three books out from Orbit, and before that, wrote the Hero series under my real name, um, which came out from Titan. Um, they didn't make any bestseller list. It was quite sad. <laughs> Dirk. <laughs> Uh, I am Dirk Ashton, author of the Paternus Trilogy, and um, it's easy for me because that's all that I've written and have out. And uh, the and I'm just realizing the last time I was on Steamyard, I must have been doing a uh, the 10 year, 20 year anniversary uh, um, thing for Night of the Living Dead 1990 because it still says Dirk Ashton, aka Truck Zombie. <laughs> I was kind of wondering what the end of the tagline was. <laughs> Justin? I'm Justin Call. Um, I've written The Silent Gods, but not all of the series yet. I've only written, I, my debut came out uh, last year in America, or yeah, last year. And my second book. Uh, comes out in May, Master Artificer. Master of Sorrows was my debut, um, but that also came out in the UK two years ago, so it was a little off time. But uh, it's a longer series; it's four books for the first series, and then it'll be a, probably twelve books before I'm done. But oh, wow. just get started. They're longer. You're, uh, he's he, you're uh, you're heading for uh, Michael J. Sullivan territory. <laughs> I, I'm sure he'll greet me warmly when I get there. <laughs> <laughs> Jordan. Hi, I'm Jordan Loyal Short. I'm the author of The Dreadbound Ode. It's a three-book series. The first two books, The Scald's Black Birch and The Weeping Sigil are out already, and Travels in the Dark should be out probably summer if I'm not lazy or fall if I am. I guess leans towards fall in that case. Um, but it's like epic grimdark fantasy with a little splash of ace opera 
stuff. So if you like it dark, you might have some. <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> behind me. <laughs> I might have something dark for you also. <laughs> Fletch. Hey, I'm Michael R. Fletcher. I don't actually write books. I just uh, tell people that I've written other people's books. So I, I write all of Dirk Ashton's books, Ross Hayes. I'm thinking maybe I've written Justin Paul's books and Jordan's books. And books. So <laughs> I want to get to know you guys before I start claiming uh, that I've written all your books. So we'll get there. End of the day. That's it. <laughs> just want to make sure everybody's a good enough author for you to take credit for, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to bring your brand down, man. So. <laughs> um so awesome so i'm just gonna kind of throw it out there for the, the first general topic who needs deities in fantasy am i right who needs what deities in fantasy am i right daisies <laughs> let me tell you about the daisy god tell us john fletcher puts daisies in all of his fantasy I mean, Beautiful there are, daisies. There are a lot of daisies in this. Oh. It's only one. Good <laughs> <laughs> no, good no. The author. <laughs> Who knew this would just be just be pumping up Michael J. Sullivan the whole time? Well, you 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 knew when you had this panel that when you said you're going to talk about gods and deities and demigods, it's us, right? <laughs> I mean, why else would we do this? We'll talk about yes. ourselves. <laughs> you know, and dies. I, I put you all on this panel thinking that Fletcher would only be doing that, but it's good to know that it's going to be all of you now. So thank you so much. <laughs> but seriously, like, uh, are, are there a requirement in fantasy? I mean, I, I feel like I feel like you know, gods and religion all all go together in fantasy. You. you you see them sometimes in the forefront, sometimes in the background, maybe as more of like a puppet master type deal, or um, they're maybe just casually mentioned because they may, you know, just be thought of as dead and gone and, and people just reflect on the past. But, you know, why, why do you, why do you feel like gods serve such a purpose in fantasy? And anybody can, anybody can take it that. Definitely right. give it oof. You know, if you're talking about, if you want to write epic fantasy and you want the stakes high have a couple of gods going at it you know impressions of that get up and not yeah I think... go ahead <laughs> Come on, girl. <laughs> I, 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 we raise our hands <laughs> i'll jump in and i'll be okay go justin um i think that a lot of times not always but often um probably not even the majority of the time but often magic in fantasy comes from the gods or that's the easy justification for it but just as often it doesn't and you can still have gods but that interplay between where the magic come from comes from or if you have gods in your world and you have magic do those things counteract like do you still believe in the gods when you can when you have your own you're essentially a god yourself and you have magic like um answering those questions i think are at the heart of a lot of the reasons why we have deities in fantasy also there's like you know all of us uh, have done the minimal amount of research into history that we need to be to need to do this stuff that, so we know that there's like that there was a time very recently when gods were like a huge deal so if you're going to emulate that time you do sort of like have to figure out like there's almost you almost need a reason to not bring them in if you if you know for a little bit of 
the simulacra of historical accuracy. Yeah, if it's a medieval era, you would expect there to be some kind of theology there. Yeah, and it right. seems more inevitable when magic is involved. It, it just it feels more of a sort of natural extension of what you're doing. I find. I yeah. tend to think that I mean, if you're making a fantasy world, you're making a fantasy world. So you have to try and satisfy all those aspects that you'd find in the real world in order to make the fantasy world just as legitimate as a real one, and then get you know that suspension of disbelief by giving you a sense that this is real. And I think everyone's got to have you got to have an economic system, an industry, a transportation system, government system, and usually religion is always considered to be part of general life. There's probably no community that's ever existed that hasn't had religion of some sort. So yeah, so you introduce the guys. And also, if you're going to be making your own world, you get to, you know, almost inevitably have to say the origin story of the world. And that usually involves gods or something of that nature. So I think that's kind of how you end up getting into this whole God thing. And you end up just kind of going off the deep end and just like, oh, well, I'll just keep going with this until finally they become characters. And, you know, it's because it's, you're right. I mean, it's like fantasy. It's like, if you can make the gods, you can do whatever you want with them, right? I mean, so it's fantasy. Have fun with it. I mean, it's all, for me, it just feels like it's all based in, I mean, the original stories, uh, mythology, you know, a lot of it just comes out. A lot of fantasy is just really a more modern telling of, of, of a mythology of some sort, you know, and it, uh, you know, that, that pervades almost every level of fantasy and religion, of course, like Mike said, I mean, ideas of faith and belief, and there are plenty of, plenty of fantasies where people talk about gods and there are churches, but you never see one and you, you never have any proof that there, that there is one that they ever really existed at all. Um, and they have no power. If they do, they have no power or, or choose not to use it. And then other ones where you go straight myth and have, you know, gods battling it out, you know, so like your series. Yeah. <laughs> like, like somebody in the panel series. I don't, I don't know who that would be. <laughs> This commentary endorsed by Dirk Ashton. <laughs> <laughs> and he approves this comment. Mm -hmm. I approve this this <laughs> panel. Uh, Fletch, any thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like using gods in stories because for me, it's a part, it's a chance to sort of uh, to pick at that. Um, they're always intricately entwined in what's going on. You may not ever see them in some series, depending on what I'm doing. But it's it's a chance to sort of uh, you know if 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 you're sort of part of why you're writing is to examine, look at, play with, twist various parts of society, then you need all those parts in there. Like like Michael said, uh, you know it's part of your world building. And I mean for me, uh, gotta love a good chance to attack organized religion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. You guys probably know better. I'm trying to think of a fantasy that's fantasy that doesn't have any mention of religion or deities or creation myth. Actually, I was trying to think of any novel that's ever been written. I was trying to think of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I have know, read, I've read some fiction, some thrillers and such. where That, they that, that doesn't allude to any concept mm -hmm. of religion or... Well, or except God. that they curse. And, of course, <laughs> that go. alludes to religion, right? right. Damn it, we all have <laughs> the only series I can think of is uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky's uh, The Shadows of the Apps, where it's a 10 book series, and there's I don't think there's even any mention of God. Okay. Sure. I don't think they even approach the, the creation myth side of things. There's historical things, but 
and you have races saying we were as gods, but he deliberately just he left the gods out, which I thought was fascinating. And actually, yeah. it worked. Yeah. No, I, I I could see. But it's the I, only one I've come across. But I mean, and some have very little mention. I was trying to think of. I, it took me a while to come up with where it was in um, the first law in Abercrombie's first trilogy. It took me a while, but there is mention of that war. Uh, the demons split, scorched the earth, and and I think there were some gods involved as opposed to just big, powerful wizards. But I can't quite remember. It's been quite a few years since I read it. Uh, I think Bias considers himself a god. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, he does, but you know. And then there's the builder, and uh, but I don't. That's not in a real kind of traditional sense. And even even like the king, they don't talk about what church the king belongs to. Or I don't think he has a big religious head on his uh, high table or anything like that, uh, which is kind of interesting. <laughs> Everybody's just hmm. well, um, it's Abercrombie, so we're all like, Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, got a question have, have any of you created a mythology rooted in part in modern physics and/or science more generally? A mythology or parts of it, stuff. either or. Now, I did, <laughs> I mean. I go into some uh, quantum mechanics and um, uh, more philosophical um, ideas of of uh, of physics uh, when I talk about kind of how characters in my books operate. Um, Though I don't, I, I don't know that I could say it's rooted in in modern physics or science. Though I did, that is kind of an undercurrent throughout that gets talked about on occasion. Yeah, that's a tricky question because when you say rooted in, you would think that it's not like it, your mythology is going to be dominated by physics or science because it's still a mythology. Um, Mag magic, on the other hand. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, magic. Although, so in my books, um, the magic is tied to the gods, but it's also tied to the elements. But I've tried to approach the elements from a non-traditional perspective, where there's three elements instead of four or five, and then there's a metaphysical side of each element, and then there's the physical side. And when I do that, I look at the the magic from a scientific perspective so the things that we are familiar with in our world in physics and science are aspects of that magic but they're able to control it with magic and with art and with um blessings from the gods and other things but there's rules very specific ones but uh, you know we're breaking a lot of science rules by following the science rules with magic so it's kind of contradictory yeah as soon as you have a dragon in the book you you destroyed the rules of physics and biology like already so. yeah, I, know play, of. I play as much with i play as much with what we don't know about physics the universe particles and energy and stuff like that as what we do which you know gives freedom to say all kinds of crazy crap mm -hmm. which is really basically what all those books are crazy yeah. crap <laughs> <laughs> 
Crazy Craft. <laughs> yeah, for, for my second series, I did, um, I did it as a, a straight fantasy world with a whole pantheon of gods. Um, but while I was writing, I thought I'm not actually going to go into the details of this. I'm not going to tell the readers this. But actually, it's I thought of it as science-based. Um, so you have gods in constellations above the sky, um, above the sky, in the sky. And my approach was very much these are um, orbiting space stations um, with mm. some sort of AI body, um, and it's left over from a previous civilization. So I never actually said that on the page, but I approached the book in that way, uh, partly as a game with myself to see what it did differently. Hmm. But then got stuck into the details of just people killing each other on the ground. I <laughs> <laughs> <Nothing laughs> that details too carefully. <laughs> um, so aside from the, as Dirk calls them, daisies themselves, what religious <laughs> organizational structures do you use? Well, I can jump in on that one. I uh, so I was raised by there are two very, very, very religious or missionaries now. So religion has always been a thing in my life, and so like Fletcher, I'm in a way I organized religion in my own little way because you know I was raised by that just great people, but they're all about this one, and that's like a theme in my writing is people have let, he has kind of run away there's a character in my book traditions they've been conquered and their traditions and religion is so important he wants to get that back so badly total framework regaining this sort of lost thing um and he ends up sort of destroying the very things that he is trying to get back by fighting them so hard, he starts making sacrifices against what ought to be his moral code. But once you have that certainty that what you're doing is righteous, all of these things become this little slippery slope where, well, I'm killing this person, but I'm killing this person. I want this thing to be good. So, I can take this next little step in this direction. And then suddenly, you know, there comes a point where you look around at what you've been doing and you realize totally out of touch with what you have always espoused and you've gone down this. The things that I want to explore in my writing because that's how I ended up in advertising. Anybody else? I got, um, I think the most organized structure of religion in mine is uh, the bad guys. Now, because of the nature of the book, all of the main character, almost all of the main characters, and there are a lot of them, were at one point uh, in history and in their lives worshipped as gods and in different cultures or times around the world as different gods um, but since the story takes place today um, they really just don't pay it much attention uh, religion um, except for the bad guys have some pretty devout uh, followers 
um, and there's there's actually a a whole ceremony that takes place in the in the uh, in the third book. Very Lovecraftian um, of you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is interesting. Normally, when you come across organized religion in fantasy books, they are the bad guys. It's very. I'm, I can think of way more like organized religion bad guys than good guys. Well, first of all, I want to give a shout out to Brian. I know Brian. He's, he's hey Brian. I didn't even see that's his name down there. Yeah. This was his question. But uh, I mean, I did the same thing where I kind of reading, you know, medieval or Western civilization history, and you have the whole Roman Catholic Church, which was, of course, kind of where you start with. But then I also wanted to balance that because I didn't want to have I don't like anything in my stories being completely evil or completely good. So I always have to find another way of looking at it. So. With mine, I have the, the church, which administers to all the people, which is more political. They also have like the monasteries, which is more personal. And they kind of like they go off in their own little mountains retreats and they don't actually talk to people. And they're more the positive aspect of religion as opposed to the negative. So you got to get both. And then, of course, you have cults, which just the crazy people, which obviously comprise the entirety of Dirk's books. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I just like making sure that I and my I friend be able to say good and bad, unlike apparently Fletcher, who just wants to just rip them apart, which I love. <laughs> I mean, you got to say, like, cults are a lot of fun in fantasy books. When you get a really good cult that just takes some weird little aspect of superstition or something and just runs with it like a thousand miles in the wrong direction, they're just creepy and kind of a delight. Yeah, then you've got the chance to really go out there. Just thought of something that would make an interesting concept that if you actually had a cult in a book that's being manufactured by a you know someone with a strong personality who's invented the whole thing, it's not real, totally made it up. And they make up this religion about this god. Of course, in a fantasy, it turns out there really is a god and he's pissed. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> that would be the next book. <laughs> Anybody else? Yeah. I I've got a variety of organizations, religious organizations in my book, um, again, because I have a variety of gods and I have specific ideas about the personalities of those gods and the people that worship those gods and how they might approach worshiping him or her. Um, so there's a lot of pol politics involved in elder gods and younger gods and organized religion versus unorganized religion and more faith-based stuff. And so I always try to, when I introduce those different organizational structures and the people within them, I try to, um, I try to get a diversity of um, opinions, experiences, characters, because there is a lot of hypocrisy in religion, but there's also a lot of people who are not hypocrites, who are trying to do good things. And sometimes they're frustrated by people within their own church or people outside the church or people in another church. You have a lot of these conflicts that arise. And I think it's important to see the good as well as take the opportunity that you're reading a fantasy novel. So you, nobody's going to have a bias against your made-up religion that you're creating in theory. Oh, you'd be surprised. You'll yeah. have that, you'll have that <laughs> person always. <laughs> but it's a good opportunity to, to expose people to a variety of ideas and help them maybe consider things that they wouldn't ordinarily consider in the real world, which I think is helpful as a reader. It's good that you want to expose people because Fletcher just exposes himself. <laughs> <laughs> <True>. <laughs> Why are we all picking on Fletcher? 
He's Fletcher. He brings it on himself. <laughs> the only reason I showed up. I actually have nothing to say. I'm just going to sit here and look cute. <laughs> well, you do look cute. <laughs> you do. Yeah. At least one of us can do it, you know? <laughs> uh, he, he just came here for the uh, for the potential to show off his book covers. That's, that's all. Yeah. Good, look so. at that shit. Pimp it up behind me. Subtle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Subtle. <laughs> Looking good. <laughs> uh, next question. Uh, what is the most challenging part about writing gods, etc.? And what are your favorite myths? Oh, oh that's, that's like a tailor-made question for Dirk. Right? <laughs> I, I love all the myths. I mean, it's just, it, it's funny. You know, I, I, I love the Greek and, and, the, and the Norse, but man, uh, a lot of the, the, the old Irish myths and legends are just crazy, crazy fun. And like the Mahabharata, the Hindu Mahabharata wow. is just insanely huge and just people pulling massive powers right out of their ass, almost literally. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, the hardest, uh, the easiest part for me was that I was basing my characters on real, <laughs> real uh, things out of myth. Uh, and legends um, and fables from all over the world. The hardest part was making them, it was important in mind to make them real, right? They had to be real people um, with serious power, um, but real people and uh, dealing with the idea of what would you be like and what would you think if you had lived for so long and seen so much um, and uh, and basically couldn't come out in the open today anymore. Um, so a lot of them are just like, I, I mean, I explain in there that a, a lot of them took their lives. Most of them are dead. They died in those massive, massive wars that we read about in all our myths. Um, and uh, including Ragnarok, which according to my book already happened. Um, so there's, uh, yeah, it was making them, since, since the gods in mine are more, our main characters throughout the whole book, uh, it was making them, making them human, not having them be too like flat and all powerful, you know. Hmm. You know, one of my favorite um, one of my favorite authors who uses deities in their novels. Sorry, guys, it's none of you. Um, uh, the first the first author I read, the first fantasy author, was David Eddings. It was the first book I read, and in his books, he's got flaws in his books, as as we all do. But they the gods, do. the gods in his books are so much fun to read because there's like the like in the Sparhawk series, there's the Aline god who's like it's almost like the Catholic God that's very like distant and you don't, you never see them. You never, there's, there's no like interaction. It's kind of this, this abstract idea, but then there's the younger gods. So there's like a thousand of them and they're very personal. It's, it's a lot more like you would expect the Roman or um, the Roman gods to be uh, when they were coming down and, and interacting with people. And so, and, and some of them are playful and some Inter interacting. Right. So, <laughs> and, and having that difference, that variety was really kind of eye-opening for me. And I, I like that because we have a lot of myths where 
gods are in them and they're interacting with people. But that's not something that we see familiar. We see very often in, in our regular world. I'm going to skip that word. It's too hard to say. <laughs> Easier to write. <laughs> but I like creating myths, though. Myths are super fun to create. I, I also borrow, but creating your own myths is... I've got a ton of them in my series. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yeah, that's in, in one way. One of the challenging things is just knowing when to stop. Yeah. Because the, the story is basically or rarely about the gods themselves. Obviously, some people do it different. And, but, the front and center. Um, but most fantasies, it's about people. And so you can just fall down the rabbit hole of building this pantheon and the structure of the world and the myths. And then you find you're not, if, if you put it all in, the book's terrible. Mm -hmm. You have to you have to then drag it out and, and pick, pick and choose the pieces you're using. Otherwise, you just you, you drown the book. Oh, you know, almost yeah. That reminds me, Tom. The, the almost the the hardest part was, um, uh, and some people have even commented on this. Some readers, because uh, a lot of these characters are pretty darn close to ultimately OP, right? They just, um, so how can you feel danger for them? And the, uh, and how, how much power do I give them? Can they just go like this and create a world or explode a world? No, um, they can't. Well, not the ones in the main part of the story anyway. Um, but uh, there are some other ones that are introduced in the third book very briefly, but that's another thing. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, how do I make the rules of what they can and can't do? Um, what can and can't kill them or harm them? Uh, and then sticking with those rules. How big should I make it? How small should I make it? In fact, after the, writing the first book uh, in one of the rewrites, I actually said, there, this isn't big enough. There's not enough. So I, I upped the ante a couple of notches. Uh, of what of what they could do um and uh and a lot of it is what the way i tried to put weakness uh is uh in is mental right uh psychological um uh vulnerabilities so and those can be played those can be played on in even the most powerful of the characters yeah i was gonna say the same thing when he broke off is the fact that, yeah, setting limitations. It's like building, you know, any, like even a magic system, you have to have limitations, things that if you do this, it causes that to happen and that's bad and this is good. And trying to figure out, particularly if you have, you know, a really hierarchy of gods where you have the really big ones and then you have the smaller ones. It's like, what's the difference? How is this person big? Do they even have a corporal entity? Do they have physical bodies? Do they live forever? Obviously with Dirk, some of his die but I mean, most people accept the concept that if you're a god, you Spoiler. So, I mean, you're generally considered immortal through most mythology. So it's like, can they die? How do they die? What happens if they do die? Because mm -hmm. um, if you look through a lot of different mythologies, you find that there's gods of things. If you're a mm -hmm. god of love and you die, is there no more love? I mean, these are questions you have to answer because it almost becomes philosophical after a while. Right. So the ramifications of right. stating that they have this power and what happens if that disappears, that has repercussions throughout the whole story. So things you have to think about when you're doing it. So yeah, the limitations and the power level is probably what I would say is the hardest part of it. Agreed. Yeah, one of the one, Go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say the other, 
dealing with gods and then mortals as well as like how you sort of balance that those power levels like because a god is always going to be definitionally a god is like the power level so trying to make it then not become a horror story of like you know like the little guy versus like the giant unkillable monster is like finding the sort of like a, the, the chink in the armor in that case for like the, the little guy to have a chance is is also um tricky one thing I, what I was going to say was uh, kind of defining the, the balance between the mythos that's defined in your world and the reality of that story is, I think, one mm. thing that's really a challenge for me. My my books, The Dreadbound Ode, uh, the gods are actually like the last members of a almost extinct alien species that rules over like a solar humanity, sort of the successors civilization and they've created this mythos around themselves um, but part of the mystery of the story is kind of teasing out like what really happened in this you know long dead story of the destruction of this ancient civilization and a lot of the like the bigger themes in the story is this clash between the surviving members of that ring. and you are trying to understand like why they've done the things that they've done and what the real basis of this is. I think that's kind of an interesting thing. When you have gods in the story, you can have this myth where person A is the good guy and person B is the bad guy, and everyone accepts this because it's part of your story, your culture story. And then all of a sudden, in a narrative, when you start really tunneling and what happened, all of a sudden you start to discover more to the story. We've been led really interesting dynamic before. Hmm. That's literally the plot of my my series. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, because my, my my protagonist is a reincarnated god. Can I interest you in this? <laughs> <laughs> but he's raised by people who are from the opposite religion, so he has to con he has to reconcile who he is with what they tell him about who he is. So, tell me intrigued. <laughs> what about you, Fletch? You're still quiet. What? Oh, sorry. Zoned out. Surprise me. He just freezes his screen on purpose and then no, he continues. Fletcher, <laughs> Fletcher has one of the most amazing ways that gods are created in Beyond Redemption. Yeah. Just yeah, kind of blew me away. That, that was fun. That's basically um the gods are, let's say, for the most part, ascended mortals, which is if you get enough people, manifest delusions, insanity shapes reality. If enough people believe that you are a god, you become a god. And so you can create gods, um, uh, uh, but your, your, your gods are um, shaped by those beliefs. So it kind of depends on what, you know, the, the populace believes about their god. Mm -hmm. So the common people have power. You know, they can actually get their shit together enough to use it. Uh, the gods tend to be crazy. Um, I have noticed I tend to treat gods in, I think, probably every single book or series kind of like parasites. Um, yeah. They they get more out of the relationship than the people worshipping them do. Um, but that's maybe sort of more of a me issue than anything else. <laughs> Yeah, if you're not going to work your issues out on on, on the, in public in on the page, what you know? Why are you doing this? <laughs> exactly. 
Oh, yeah, until I started writing, I didn't realize how much of a problem I had with organized religion. Mm-hmm. And then I started putting in all these militant factions, went, oh, yeah, maybe I do. Then they're not nice people. Mm-hmm. I think that Fletcher has completely reduced religion down to the cult of celebrity. Very good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You got a clap. <laughs> but, yes, no, I, I agree. You know, Fletcher's, Fletcher's gods and, and Beyond Redemption are some of the most interesting ones I think I've ever read. And that that was kind of like my introduction to to like Grimdark. I uh, was reading that novel. Um, and, and and I still think it's one of the most underrated fantasy novels out there so Agreed. i'm just gonna throw that out there i'm i'm not just gonna sit here and you know piggyback back on you but <laughs> it's so good um well he's he's also got one of the one of the few if few books i've ever read maybe the only one where you know they talk about the afterlife right throughout and we never really get to see that um except i think maybe in one of mike's books at the end of uh one of his series but um, in, in Mike's book, they actually go there. <laughs> oh, yeah. They die, or in, in Fletcher's too. They actually, uh, in yours, they actually go there. In his, there are some characters that actually die and wake up, and they are in the afterlife, and the story continues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which was awesome. Absolutely. Um, there's Justin. I can't make it. Lost it for a second, Justin. <laughs> He's back. I thought everybody else had lost connection. You know what? He died. How was it? <laughs> oh, and he came back in the after. This is, uh, guess what? Surprise. <laughs> this is the afterlife. <laughs> it's just this about, about You went to the wrong place. <laughs> this panel will just continue. <laughs> there are worse uh, afterlives, I think. This would be a comfortable one for me. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, so fan of the show, Brian has another question. Uh, how hard do you find it to walk the tightrope between shining a light on negative aspects of religion and betraying it as a collection of real people with honest beliefs? I just didn't get into it. Um, uh, it just wasn't something that I, that, that I got into and I don't really, maybe by ignoring it, I did say something not very nice, but <laughs> I didn't really mean to. Um, they just don't talk about it much. Um, the influences that they've had on religions all over the world and belief systems all over the world. Um, they, uh, some of them were good most all the time. Some of them were bad most all the time, the characters, but I never, I just, I just don't really, I don't, I don't talk it up or trash it too much. I don't think. I hadn't really I think, thought about that. It's a good question. Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I've never written that much about organized religion, but I feel like you know, if you focus on the individuals, because any organization is really just a collection of individuals. So if you just, if you focus on the individuals and like, and just try and keep characters real and balanced and, you know, don't portray someone as all bad or all, all good, then the sort of the picture of the organization sort of develops around that a little bit obviously organizational structures matter and have an influence but like but i, th- I think i don't know i'm right, talking my own biases but if you focus on the individuals then i think that's that's probably gonna gonna help you navigate that path yeah i mean i found um certainly in the twilight right um i had a very sort of split up structure of the religion and because the gods are there and they're sort of perfectly willing to get involved in going to people as necessary um it's not it's a 
you've got the sort of the beliefs of the gods, and that translates down into almost religious belief. But it's a basis that they've been given. It's not people interpreting religious texts um, to their own means. So generally, the people who are ministering to the poor, or whatever, are just trying to improve the community in, in a religious sort of function. Um, they're the ones who are just good people doing good works. And it's when the um, religion gets bound up in politics or military, um, that's where the monsters come out and that's where the monsters gravitate to. Um, but it's it's separate from the gods themselves and the actual religion. It's just using this power structure for their own means. Yeah, I, I kind of handle it by, um, by taking faith out of the equation. I mean, if the gods are real and occasionally manifest and just horrendously destroy shit, it, it's not a it's a, a it's not a belief system at that point. Yeah. There are gods, um, so now you've just got people, and uh, like John said, some people are good, some people are kind of shitty, um, and it's a focus on individual characters. And you know, I, I tend to approach stuff where everyone's trying to do their best, trying to achieve something. Um, and then they're just conflicting, you know, there's conflict with other people trying to do other stuff, but everyone sort of working towards something has a goal that they think is right or justified. But, uh, yeah, I just, I carve the idea of faith out of it by making the gods real. So it's not a question of, oh, do I believe them? It's like, yeah, fuck, he's right there. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. why is he got a big stick? That's, that's no, that's it's funny. Like, I, it's been a while since I wrote the Dragon Lords, and now I'm thinking back, like, that was a huge part of it. Because as soon as the gods are real, there's it's not religion as we have here, like, it's a different beast. It's like, you know, it's a matter of survival. Like, there's a giant dude who can, like, if I put them off, like, things are going to be real bad. Like, that it becomes a much more that cult of celebrity transactional sort of like, please don't step on me sort of nature side of religion just like immediately springs forward. You know, I, I don't think I do. I, I don't use those tactics in my books. I, I, I tackle it head on in that, like my series is called The Silent Gods. And the idea is there are gods, at least there were, but they've disappeared. And they've either stopped talking to people or they're dead or they've gone somewhere else and people don't know why. And people are trying to make their way through and muddle things, muddle through without the influence of their gods. And they have stories and mythologies about the gods working with people and doing good things and some doing bad things but now the gods are gone and so they're trying to figure themselves out and they're not totally gone though they're still there uh some are unable to talk with people some refuse to talk with people some are supposedly dead um and so all of these things influence people's opinions um how they approach religion and even even then um you get people who how you just as a person, as an individual, how you approach religion. Some people, they're very focused on rituals, ordinances, rules. And that is a cultural part of their religion. That is something that helps them identify who they are. And other people, it's a lot more spiritual and it's a lot less about the rules. And there's there's a, you know, a thousand different religions that people could subscribe to. And representing that and the different people that belong to those religions, how they're sometimes wicked people and good people in the same religion, that's really difficult to do well. But it, but if you do, then you can avoid stereotypes. And I think I try to do that in my books because I think that's accurate and reflects the world that I'm familiar with. 
Yeah, I, it just kind of occurred to me. I didn't real re even realize that I was doing it, but a lot of the way I talk about uh, religion, belief systems, creation myth, afterlife, stuff like that is um, by having the characters talk about what they believe. Um, and they don't all believe the same thing, oddly enough, um, or at least not to an extent as far as uh, uh, like the one main most powerful character thinks that fate is a ridiculous lie um, and happenstance, whereas others of his children don't. They, they believe in such things. And some seem to know more than others, but none of them claim to be, you know, none of them are, are an all-knowing, all-powerful um, God. Creator I just want to point something out that I think everyone's kind of missed here, is the fact that why is it that Brian seems to think that we would ever want to actually shine aspects religions and show real people and honest beliefs. Maybe we really just want to trash religion in general. And anyone <laughs> believe it. I mean, it's sort of a, a predetermined question. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if I was, you know, uh, writing 1984, maybe I would be going against this. I don't know. It, it's a different way of looking at it. But it's just interesting that that was the presumption that every author would want to do that. Yeah. Now, in response to how to do it, I mean, it's very simple. I mean, it's the same way you do government. It's the same way you do commerce. It's the same way you do violence. It is good. It's bad. You can't have it be one way or the other. So it's no different than anything else. I don't find it hard to do at all because, I mean, everything's that way. You Everything is addressed in the same fashion. But it's just interesting that you assume that, no, you have to have a balanced address. Why? Why would you? I mean, you wouldn't ask the same question about government or about the use of violence necessarily. Maybe that's what you want to do. I mean, I, mean, I think maybe I think maybe he's poking us. Maybe. <laughs> And, and thank God none of us are Joe Abercrombie. But. <laughs> I don't know. I'd kind of like to be Joe Abercrombie. <laughs> I'd like to be able to write like Joe Abercrombie. One day. Your chair, Dirk. I feel like you're like some sort of, star, you know, some cosmic overlord with that chair. Mm -hmm. Looking at thank it, just, it's amazing. <laughs> it's like this, this, all your own. This is relatively new. I absolutely love this thing. <laughs> See you guys later. Got <laughs> <laughs> um, another question. Uh, when creating your own deities or gods, how much do you write about their histories or backstories first, or do you start with the general notes and develop as the story develops? Um, I, I go two ways. Uh, I either have no backstory whatsoever and I just come up with it as I'm going, uh, you know, as it's needed to serve the story. Uh, or I'm riffing on or ripping off or stealing uh, something from a regular and actual religion, uh, like the uh, City of Sacrifice series. It's totally Aztec. Um, and so I just make use of all of their, all the history, all of their religion, all of their gods. So fantastic. They've got cra crazy insane, fun mythology there, too. Gods. Crazy the fun. Blade One, the Obsidian Lord. Her skirt is stars. Like, like those are great names. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, I just steal shit. <laughs> I have hundreds of pages of notes because um, a lot well, of you my did real research on actual gods, though. <laughs> yeah, but I like it. I know none of us do. You're just weird, you know. <laughs> I do too, Dirk. The most <laughs> idea. Okay, the most fun part though was okay. 
there's all these gods that are, and a lot of the stuff uh, the original idea the original idea was that so many of these myths are in, i mean and and particular stories are so incredibly similar to be you know nearly impossible to have developed completely separate from you know incredibly diverse far away parts of the world um and these things are old way old i'm talking about way before flood myths and stuff like that so it's um uh but the fun part was like oh this character is just like this character so i why don't i make this being in my story he was both right so i do a lot i do a lot of that so making those connections uh was a lot of, a lot of uh a lot of note taking yes a lot of writing a backstory and how things worked and uh why this person could have been doing that in this time and then do it with with this other character while this other stuff could have been happening at, a, at another time dirk was always so. a kid in school we all hated because he was <laughs> doing his homework i did a lot of homework. i did I, I wouldn't let you do my homework, Dirk. Except for math. <laughs> Except for math. Math. Yeah. No. You. Know, I was, yeah. My characters have exactly as much backstory as the plot requires. Figure out plots. Figure out how much backstory is required to make plots sound reasonable. That that that's exactly the quantity that they're going to get. Which yeah, I'm finding book two every time. See, that's I, because oh. you're smart. Because there's probably <laughs> I would I would bet. 100% of my notes and those backstories and all that, about 3% actually makes it into the books. But at least I know it, right? Yeah. I spent, I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I spent like 15 years working on my series before I published my first book. And I went dead silent. Good man. <laughs> now, mine wasn't 15, but it was, uh, it took me four and a half years to develop and write the first book. So. I was just taking my sweet time and I was having a lot of fun doing it. And then I got to the point where I was like, oh, I guess I got to write the book now. <laughs> I did. But, but now I have all the research. Yeah, I did. I really did. Yeah, I think my last series, I managed to, um, I, I pretty much structured the sort of the plot and the world building um, from the basis of I don't like doing research. Uh, that then dropped me down a massive rabbit hole. Uh, Simply because I didn't, I couldn't be bothered to actually read up on guns. I thought that sounded boring, so I then started playing around and ended up creating the religion, creating um, the major thrust of the plot. Um, as a result of that, I spent far more time on it uh, than I would if I if I just actually sat down and read about how the plot works. So that'll teach me. But yeah, that one it was it was it was an ongoing process. Um, but I had to do a lot more of it at the start than I was expecting because, yeah, it, it produced so much of the book. Whereas previously, I very much, here's the bare bones, and I, well, the first series, I, I learned to write while writing it. Um, so I was going back and revising, so I could then just add pieces on um, of the bare bones over years and years. Yeah, my research was I took some classics courses in uh, university and then like just based the whole thing on some half-remembered Aristophanes plays. And... Which is why my deities are mostly just turning into animals and trying to have sex with them. <laughs> you have interesting books. <laughs> Goodreads disagrees with you, but you know. <laughs> well, mine, I just, I created a church, so if I had a church, I had to have gods. 
<laughs> it's, I mean, it's kind of prerequisite. So you made them. And, and then as the story went on, I'm like, okay, well, I, I, everything with my world is like, as I need it, I create it. And let's find a way to make it make sense. Of course, that's always the fun part. That's like the puzzle you put together. But, and then of course, as, as Dirk mentioned in one of my books, they actually go in the underworld and they meet the gods. So it was like, oh, well, crap. Now I got to make them into real people. And that's <laughs> yeah, always fun. But yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's a, you know, evolutionary thing rather than a, I plotted it out in advance and, you know, I didn't do that. Spent yeah, 15 so, years on it. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you just need to add bits on. In, uh, to Twilight Rain, I, I was well, three, three books in and I had a lot of the gods already. And then I wanted to go into the underworld. And so my editor said, right, this is the book you need to read before you write the book. And so I had, I had to literally go and read the history of hell um, to <laughs> plot out the first sort of six chapters of uh, book four, which is a very weird situation. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like I have to go back to school. Well, it's an interesting thing I thought of because that I mean, all of you understand the difference between a discovery writer and an outliner. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that you also do world building in the same fashion. Some people do it discovery. Some people do it outline. Obviously, Justin is clearly an outliner. And I'm more of a discovery when it comes to world building. I mean, I, I build it as I go, as it's needed, and therefore it grows kind of organically as opposed to having it. Because I know there are some people out there who have like done these detailed maps in advance before writing their books and like, oh, crap, I need the characters to go from here to here, but there's a freaking canyon between them. I'm screwed. You know, <laughs> so it's like, so, I mean, I avoid that for the most part until, of course, I nail everything down. And then I'm like, okay, I've been writing these books too long. <laughs> a lot of times starting a new world. Yeah. That kind of thing. But, but, it, but it goes, you can go both ways. Go ahead. But it goes the other way too, because sometimes when I'm writing and I'm like, okay, I need my characters to move or travel, I don't have to think about this. I can pull out the map and go, oh, they're going to encounter these things along the way. And so I just put them in. Yeah, so, so if you have that, that's that's the benefit of, of both discovery and outline. Now, I don't think anyone's either one or the other. They're all kind of on the sliding scale, and then you change probably with each book you do. It's like, oh, this time I'm gonna be a little more discovery. This time I'm gonna be a little more outlining. See how that works, you know. And I found that with a lot of writers, I'll switch it up to see what well, you know. What I was always an outliner. Now I think I'm a great discovery writer, and vice versa. So I mean, there's always benefits and negatives, but it's just interesting that that is another aspect to writing. That just world building is another form of discovery versus outlining in a way. Mm -hmm. What is the software that you use, Mike? For what? My For God what? building? My, as gods are us? <laughs> no, no, writing. Your, your writing software. Oh, Scrivener. Yeah, you use Scrivener. I use I Scrivener. Have, I have actually seen Mike's Scrivener, and he talks about not taking notes, but he does. He, he's oh. taken. He's taken them along the way. Yes. And you should see what he's got on either side that scrolls for miles and miles and miles. Well, and we and all three to go. He's got file. more notes than I ever wrote. It's just he's done it as I have wrote. a file that all they do is throw out the manuscript, and all the all the research is still there. So he's building with each book. Mm -hmm. So essentially, you know, it becomes this giant bible eventually. But, yep. Yeah. It is huge. You should one day you should just have a Kickstarter and turn that into a book. I, the <laughs> I'm not kidding. Is, no, the problem is when I try and close that application, it takes 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't believe it. I bet. It is. I try moving it onto a, a backup, and the thing is several, you know, I don't know what's what's above a, a gigabyte. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's ter it's terrible. Yeah, it gets huge. So I mean, and I've got images and everything in it, so it gets oh yeah, it's all but, kinds yeah. of. And we're totally off topic because you know. <laughs> I mean, I, I told you this was gonna happen. <laughs> I mean, it's just kind of 
I mean, uh, do any of y'all, I mean, I know, I know uh, some of y'all have stated that, you know, you've had to kind of go back and do research and so forth. Do you ever, do you ever finish writing? Say you, you just kind of pants the whole thing. Do you ever just have to end up going in a backdooring something in uh, like a God that you just decided to throw in there or you go, Oh gosh, I have to have something for this to make sense. Mm-hmm. Once I planted, plotted out books two and three of Dragon Lord, I had to go back and like do a whole bunch of setup for like, cause there's a reveal in book two, which was in no way set up in book one. I was like, oh crap. So like we were in, in, in edits while I was starting, like we're in edits on book one while I was sort of plotting out book two. I was like, okay. And so yeah, that was, that was, I definitely had to go back and retroactively fit that some of the stuff in there. I, for me, I would say no, but also caveat, because I've already written everything for my outlines. I don't have to backdoor stuff. The problem is, when I'm writing, as I'm writing, there will be characters and things that occur that I did not plan to put into the outline. So then I have to go back and retroactively put those things into my outline and modify yep. the outline I've created. Yeah, I do a lot of re stop and re outlining. Yeah, that that's what all this is back here. All this. Yeah. Is yeah. Oh, really? I thought that was how you were going to kill someone. It like- <laughs> I didn't know you could actually see the writing on it, Mike. <laughs> Wait a minute. Is that Fletcher's name? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the next thing you know is he's gonna have like the red strings crisscrossed and everywhere on the next panel. Yeah. Um, question from Ollie, friend of the show. Uh, what are the differences in writing about Mesoamerican and Ollie. South American gods, goddesses, and belief systems versus the more commonly written about European gods? Uh, this is assuming that you're writing about gods. Yeah, from writing about. Well, I really know about one of them. That's the hardest. The hardest thing is, I think that. There, there are certain things that that people already have preconceived notions and knowledge about when you're writing about Greek gods and Norse gods, right? Um, most people that read fantasy that want to read this kind of stuff have a decent knowledge uh, uh, or at least background um, uh, in varying levels of, of those. So when it comes to um, the le- uh, the mythology is lesser known in the West. Um, you have to, um, you, they're introduced as either like brand new characters, um, almost like they're made up, like in, you know, fan- you know, actually made up fantasy gods, but you want to try to tie it so that people know that the hard part, that, 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 that was hard for me was, um was was discussing these characters in a way uh and talking about them describing them in a way that could kind of get people up to speed a little bit um while also um you know paying homage and having respect for where it comes from and letting people know where it comes from so that that's the big difference for me between writing about the two. Well, yeah, imagine trying to do, tell someone about Christianity who doesn't know anything at all about it. I mean, you, yeah. there's a lot of backstory there and you don't want to waste everyone's time yeah. with like, all yeah. right, this book first. Yeah, yeah. What was that there with the donkey? What happened there? <laughs> yeah, who begat who? Yeah. yeah. When, I, when I look at the deities in my books, because I don't have a specific um, culture that I pull from, but I take, I usually take two or three cultures and aspects of the of how they approach theology in those cultures, and I blend those together as inspiration for the mythology I've already created. So, so I have South American 
inspired gods, Mesoamerican gods and goddesses. Um, but I also have the European gods and and a variety of other cultures. But my my hope is not to create something people say I know where this is this comes from, but say this feels like something familiar. This resonates with something I've seen before, and therefore feels real to me. But it it's not it doesn't feel like you're uh, culturally appropriating um, someone else's religion either, because then you can't be accused of you know knocking their religion. You're saying, no, this is completely different. I'm just it's it's inspired by a variety of things. It's a it's a mesh of things. A asterisk inspired by. <laughs> right, right. I, I just blatantly culturally appropriate. Uh, and I absolutely do not give a fuck. Mesoamerican <laughs> <laughs> gods uh, are called their actual names. Now, I, I use translations rather than Quetzalcoatl kind of thing. It'll be, you know, the feathered lord or whatever the hell it is. Um, but that, that's sort right. of there's serpent. not a lot of you know, <laughs> a feathered serpent, yeah, feathered serpent. Um, I just want to say, God bless your sensitivity readers. <laughs> uh, I, I actually don't use them, he uses, he uses insensitivity. Like, yes, he does. I, he really does. I, I honestly I don't think books should be so fucking safe. And if you want to be upset by something I write, then that's your choice. Yeah, go read someone else. It's not my fucking problem. I'm going to tell the stories I want to tell. Can we say that it. on live TV? Being David cut like 30 seconds ago. So. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably right, yeah. I, I actually needed him. He just can't tell. <laughs> it would have made sense. I probably get in for this shit. But anyway, I totally lost where I probably wasn't going anywhere. It's all right. It's a, every time you said a bad word, there's a, there's this little animated graphic that comes up and goes bleep right across your mouth. There's just, there's just a chicken every time. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean I will say though. I mean I, I I I'm a Christian and I can dispend belief when I read fantasy. Um, I am one of Fletcher's beta readers. I mean if that makes you feel you know, it's just one of those things where like I know how Fletcher is going to write a novel. So I just, it, I just expect the worst to be honest. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, I've read every novel he's ever written and I'm just like, eh. <laughs> you know, kind of at the end, but you know, it, it's just one of those things. If you're, if you're going to upset somebody, I mean, they probably shouldn't be reading fantasy, right? Because I mean, there's a lot of upsetting things in fantasy uh, for, for a religious type. Um, and, and you just have to not be so that sensitive. And then at that point, the entire presentation shifted from deities to praying for authors. So, so got to go, guys. Sorry. <laughs> but no, no, I um, yeah, it's 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 just interesting. But yeah, no, no Fletcher, I didn't I didn't bleep you. I I I felt like I needed to let you talk a little bit. You've been so quiet. You've been sleeping the whole time. So yeah, it's the hangover. <laughs> Actually, he's been talking the whole time. You've just been cutting his mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, another question from Paul. Do you have a personal favorite deity or god that you created or one from another author's book? Mm. I don't know. Can we go with Morgoth or, or Saran? I mean. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. 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 That's... I, I mean, for my own book, my protagonist is my favorite, but, and that and that's why he's the protagonist, but um, David Eddings in his uh, Sparhawk series, the the goddess Ephrael, 
It's like the the child goddess. Um, I really liked that character in that series. It was very fun to read her appearances in the books. And, and, and when I find characters like that from other authors' books, I like to have an homage, if I can, in my own series that isn't stealing, but it's, it's a nod to the people that say, this person influenced me, this person inspired me. I remember reading this and enjoying it. I want to share it with you. So, Has anybody read uh, Ed McDonald's uh, Raven Cry series? Loved it. The- uh, the nameless and yeah. I can't the deep things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like two sort of like pantheons. They're really they're not like, gods, but they kind of are. Yeah, they're like wizards that have become so powerful. They're like straddling the place between like arch wizards and demigods. They are really unique feeling, and they're really well done. Great series. Agreed. I'd say I I still I I have to admit I still have a soft spot for Aslan. Yeah. From reading reading uh, Chronicles of Narnia as a kid, I guess. I just wish the name would have been different because it sounds like you're saying something pornographic. <laughs> Aslan. <laughs> hey, Aslan. I mean, it sounds like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Jonathan, Jonathan, you got anything? I I'm racking my mind. It's funny. The, the one which immediately leapt to mind was actually yeah, we, the little. Q from Star Trek Next Generation. I was actually like, "There you go, yeah." Because he's a dick. Like, <laughs> like the best people are. <laughs> I mean, but anyway, but no. Um, so yeah, which maybe probably tells you more about me than anything else. But yeah, mm-hmm. and in my own work, I enjoyed writing fucking the God of uh, God of Drunkenness because I mean, why wouldn't you? Right. So, yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to actually pick out which which ones really stood out for me. Um, you know, I, I love um, Stephen Erickson's uh, God. And so, so a, a figure like Adamanda Rake um, just jumped out of the page um, straight off for me. And there's sort of, you've got different sort of levels of the God in terms of who, who they are, but they all slightly miserable about how many years they're having to live through and how they're having to deal with all these things again and again. Hmm. Uh, I like the way Gaiman portrays Odin in American Gods. It's, it's mm-hmm. fun. Mm-hmm. He's, he's fun. Yeah. Uh, right now, my favorite, I mean, just because I'm, I'm writing them, is uh, Smoking Mirror, The Obsidian Lord. Um, because Obsidian plays a part in a couple of different series I have going, and there's some interconnection there I can't talk about. Uh, just, you know, it's a fascination. Uh, but that's, that's uh, Aztec stuff. Um, probably my favorite at the moment, but it's because it's on my brain. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that your Cosmere? Uh, I think of it more as a like a Michael Moorcock kind of thing. I haven't actually read Sanderson. Uh, more like I don't know more, what that is. More like a pap smear. More, yeah, <laughs> more like a eternal champion except the anti-hero. That would make more sense if you've read some of Mike's books. <laughs> We're inches away from another Aslan joke. I know it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, any? Oh, which one? God. 
favorite god. Peace Fletch. You're mine. Peace Fletch, Michael. I was going to start this one with, with Morgoth and, uh, you know, Tolkien stuff. But Yeah, yeah. Yep. I mean, you could also go with Lucifer. That's a good one. <laughs> I have a Lucifer. I'm sure you do. <laughs> I have two kids. <laughs> oh geez all right um all right last question i got for y'all um make it a good one. Oh, thank, thank, thanks a lot thanks a lot thank no pressure on on maybe we'll, we'll talk about on future books but are you more keen to have deities at the forefront of your novels or more of like kind of in the background more of maybe a puppet master type uh and why the op problem like when you have a character that can solve all of their problems with magic or the wave of a hand it's hard to make their story feel like dangerous you know it's got to all be emotional at that point and you know, which is possible certain uh how do you do that dirk how do you make someone who can cut their hands and make somebody go splat they're in danger. I I do have characters that are kind of like that. Um, a couple, anyway. Uh, how do I do it? Yeah, it's like yeah, that's a magic all of its own. I I I guess I was daydreaming when he asked the question because I'm not sure how to handle <laughs> it. Uh, that's what happens with age, Dirk. <laughs> Who are you? What are you people yeah, doing okay. in my room? <laughs> um it's hard uh, it, again if for me it comes down to you know how powerful they can't be too powerful but you want them to be powerful enough that they're fun and and um <clears throat> i love i do it because i love it in films and in books and in tv shows i love to introduce a powerful character and suddenly they run into something that's terrifies them right and then they run into something that terrifies them. And then they run into something that could totally kick their ass. Um, and my books kind of progress that way uh, as, as we go along. And hopefully people don't get tired of it. Um, uh, and you learn more of what each character can do and just how much they can do with it. They just haven't been challenged that much yet. Um, and you also learn more of their weaknesses. It's, It'd be really cool if at the end of your book they literally run into Dirk Ashton. Well, they kind of do. <laughs> he lives in the moon. That makes sense. <laughs> Anybody else? When I approach my own fantasies, um, fantasy novels with the gods, when I start writing, that's it, it was at the core uh, mythology deity that was like what i started with as opposed to the story the story with the characters and i took that mythology and then i kind of built the characters out of that but when i'm writing my books i do have like epigraphs that start part one with this reference to this epic thing that happened so you get a little taste of that mythology because it to me it's very important and to my to my story it's very important it's essential but that's not like that's not why you're reading the book, um, presumably. And most of the book is not doesn't have anything to do with that. It's all about the characters. So you don't see the gods. You get people's impressions of the gods, their thoughts about who the gods are or where they've gone. 
But all of this is conjecture and all of this is, you, it's, it's a puzzle, right? This is one of the reasons why people read science fiction and fantasy because they like putting together the puzzle of what this world is and who these people are and you get one piece of information that contradicts another and you have to hold these two contradictory ideas at the same time in your head until you get more information from the author or the story that helps reveal this person is mistaken or both these things are true and this is why and then you have this new revelation and and i think that's kind of the fun part of writing and reading fantasy so i i would say the gods are central to my story but also they're completely in the background because everything's happening with the characters. Yeah, I think I'd agree there. I, I generally keep them on the periphery because it's about the people, it's not about the gods. When, yep. If the gods turn up on the page, they're, they're quite often there as a roadblock uh, because they have their own agenda. And it's something you've got to work around because there are gods who can't just can't plow on through them. Can't be a handful of situations where I can do that. Mm. But mostly, um, yeah, they're just... They're part of a landscape you have to deal with, but I don't. If they're front and center too much, then it's just it's not going to work. Well, yeah, that's a. I think Dirk brought it up earlier as a concept of familiarity versus creativity. I mean, if you're going to have characters, then like the gods are just setting. But if you're going to make your main character be a god, then you run into the immense problem of most people see gods as the fault of being a immortal and b omniscient. Which, if that's your main character, you got a lot of problems. <laughs> Unless, of course, they miraculously have amnesia. Um, but, you know, that's kind of a trope that's been carried a little bit too much. But, I mean, you have the familiarity of what you have to tell people. I mean, if you if you start with something that everyone knows about and understands, then you can get away with not, not having to explain too much. And you can get your story up and running quicker. Mm -hmm. But that also comes at an excuse, you know, that limits your creativity to some degree. And it's like, well, how much do you want to be brand new that is totally on, you know, on a planet where they breathe methane? Or do you want to be, you know, something completely familiar that, you know, everyone just is walking around in a subway and people can kind of relate to that. And then you can move on with the story. So there's a balance there that has to be struck. So I don't know. I'm just going to just agree with everything Dirk says. He's the God master. <laughs> The god of gods. Hardly. Hardly. John Fletch, any, any thoughts? No, I think uh, Michael said it best. What Dirk said. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are only deferring to me because I have the biggest headphones. That's the shirt. I tried. I tried. I tried. The chair as well. Clearly, it's clearly because you're the sure. one I said earlier, you did your homework and all of us didn't. So we're losing your paper. <laughs> we're reading cancers off of you. <laughs> I, I guess I, I, I'm pretty calm. I, I did. It's going to depend on the story. Like if there's, if I have an idea that I like, which requires four granite gods, there's going to be four granite gods. If like, otherwise, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't have a strong bias. But my bias is towards story rather than to, to any particular aspect of of whether religion or not is going to come in. I mean, my not. characters, my characters are gods, so they have to be at the forefront, but. The next project I'm going to work on, um, there's a religion and mythology of, of, of certain things, but I don't know that they'll ever manifest in any way, uh, in any real way. I think it's also worth looking at, like, like Tolkien. We often call him the father of fantasy, mm -hmm. whether or not you say that and believe that. But when you're looking at Lord of the Rings, there's not a lot of 
gods in Lord of the Rings. It's, it's in the Silmarillion or it's like hinted at and you don't really know, oh, this Balrog is actually this thing that came from this thing that was, these are related to deity. You don't really know that. It's just this monstrous demon thing and you don't really know who Gandalf is or what his back. And it's not really important to the story that we're given because mm -hmm. it's about the characters and it's about the quests and it's about all those other things. And I think for the most part, we've sort of followed that trend in fantasy. There are exceptions, of course, with, with Dirk being an exception. You've got <laughs> gods who are very much in the scene and interacting with each other. But I think you hit it on the head there. Dirk mm -hmm. is an exception. <laughs> <laughs> also, an, ex an exceptional idiot. <laughs> and I like how we've now switched from Fletcher to Dirk. You know, he's giving him a break. <laughs> this is why they say they're the same people, because they... Mm. Can pick yeah. up one just exactly. Yeah. No, 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 I like them. headphones. They have similar headphones. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you can't tell them apart now. They're almost identical. It's Talk whatever you want about me as long as you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Well, um, I want to I want to take the the last couple minutes and uh, I want everybody to talk about what they've got going on right now. Any new releases, recent releases, and then uh, where everybody can start reading you that maybe hasn't read anything by you before. And Tom, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, I have just finished my series. Uh, so this is book one of the series. Uh, it's called The God Fragment, um, where there aren't technically any gods because um, they got broken up and they are now useful for things instead. Um, and the last book came out in August. So, yeah, go check it out. Mike. Oh, I'm up. Okay. I keep seeing it. I don't know if your boxes are the same as my boxes. Um, so, yeah, I'm just finishing up the last book of a trilogy that's going to be basically the bridge between my last or my, yeah, the last series and the first series I wrote. So, those are going to begin with Nolan. I think the Kickstarter for that's starting this month. I'm pretty sure. And that book is amazing. Oh, I you got read it. I got the beta read. Yes. Oh. You know I did. I loved it. There's a reason that Mike is as success, successful as he is, and that's yeah, because he writes, fucking, he writes fucking great books. <laughs> yeah, that'll be coming out, I think, this month, and then all of them, again, they're written. I'm done working on the very last part of the last one. That'll be, like I said, sometime this month. And I think it's coming out, Dirk probably knows better than I do. I think it's coming out in like August. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know it was that soon. Awesome. Oh yeah, I mean the, the Kickstarter is now, and then there's going to be something else, and then I think it's going to be coming out in in August or something. I know, I know I have no idea about my schedules. Where's I, Robin? I know she's, she's the one she's with the staff. She does everything, and I suggest that for all of you. All of you need to get yourself a really good woman who will do everything for you and just let you write. <laughs> Too late for that. <laughs> I've got Mike. Mike does that for me. Mike, there you go. I'm a really good woman. <laughs> you gotta let her go now though <laughs> All right, John. um i was so prepared for this i had to look up the cover of my book on my phone so that's my book um uh, there you go <laughs> but, right, yeah the, which if you're gonna read um, by john holmes that's a good place to start because that's the first of the three books um so yeah um and i'm not talking about stuff i'm currently writing so i can seem mysterious Oh, I like I like how when John talks about uh, stuff that John Hollis is writing as if it's a completely different person. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't trust that guy. 
I don't trust yeah, him. He takes the glasses off and he sounds different. Weird. Yeah. He, he posts less. He does less shit posting on, on Facebook as well. <laughs> All right, Justin? Yeah, my series is The Silent Gods. It's a tetralogy. The first book, Master of Sorrows, is already out. So folks should try and pick that up. And the second book, Master Artificer, comes out in May. And there'll be two more books, one every year. They're like, the second one's 900 pages almost, I think. The first one was like 600. So they're big books. And they'll probably stay that way because, like I said, I've got a lot of material. And I, and I have to pull back and try not to put so much stuff in them. But. <laughs> awesome dirt. Ah, uh, I wrote this stuff. Go read these. Uh, I do plan on continuing in this uh, in this world, uh, like a series of four to six books takes place 20 years previously, more uh, um, traditional type urban fantasy, uh, Ronin type wizard hunter um, in the same world. But uh, I think of it, I'm not sure it's a good blurb, but I think of it in terms of like, Harry Dresden meets Jack Reacher, um, more more in tone. And then I would like to do a uh, trilogy that happens 15 to 16 years after this trilogy ends. Um, but uh, that's all gonna be on break for a little bit. Uh, I have uh, another Kickstarter coming up, starts March 9th, to do the third book in the special edition uh, fancy special edition, uh, limited edition hardbacks, which are pretty gorgeous, I have to say. Um, March 9th, that starts, uh, but the writing is mostly taking a break because I'm doing a contract project, um, putting together all the things that are selling so well on Amazon right now. I mean, it's going to be military magic school progression cultivation fantasy with dragon riders except my main character is going to ride a kraken <laughs> so that's coming <laughs> in 2022 the first book of the trilogy i love how subtle his writing is it's you know it's just very quiet stories <laughs> hammer yeah yeah, well, speaking of quiet stories, if you like, uh, you know, the world is ending kind of stuff. The, Skull, the series is The Dreadbound Ode. Uh, the Skull's Black Verse is the first book. I've only got the one series that I'm working on right now. So if you want to find a place to start with me, start right here. Uh, the second book just came out a couple months ago. That's The Weeping Sigil. Uh, and it's series is like uh, you know grimdark fantasy with a little bit of space fantasy element in it uh, so is third, it, do you call that sci fantasy would you call it you know i've heard fantasy? it called a lot of stuff i kind of like the term honestly space opera just because it it meets the mood a little bit better i think than but just like remember, but that's already a word fantasy. that's already a word and it already means i'm rebranding it science i think <laughs> Well, this is why I'm confused. I'm, he said space opera. is like, deities in space opera? This is a, please so tell it's, me more. It's Fice opera. Yeah, see? Okay, I'm going to write that down, and we're going to run with that. You're my new PR guy, Dirk. I like it. David's up there shaking his head. <laughs> All right, we'll call it space fantasy. Really more confusing subgenres. That's what we're here for. Fice opera. I'm going to call it that from now on. Space right. fantasy with that face opera. 
<laughs> buy my books. And the third one, Travels in the Dark, is coming out in uh, late summer or early fall. All right, Fletch. Uh, I am flaky, so I can't write one series. I, I've got three or four. I don't even know how. I'm, three or four on the go. So City of Sacrifice series, there's two of those out. Third one might be by the end of the year. Second book in the Obsidian Path series comes out in April. Uh, I co-wrote a Russian low fantasy with Clayton Schneider. Who is fucking insane. That guy's dark. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, so that's going to come out probably kind of spring. And I think we're writing another one. They're, those are standalones. And then at some point, so that people don't kill me, I should probably write the last Manifest Delusions book. Yes, you should. Yeah. We've been telling you that for I don't know how many years now. Just, come. Just do it. Um, I'll get there. <laughs> anyway, so, yeah, if, uh, in terms of what book to start with, Whichever one kind of looks cool. Beyond yeah. Redemption. Start Beyond Redemption. Redemption. Start with it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, if guys, and if you guys haven't read any of Clay Snyder's stuff, uh, River of Thieves and Child of Nod are pretty brilliant. Yeah. And uh, Obsidian uh, Psalm is... I haven't read that. You read it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which is why I wanted to do a co-write with him with the, uh, the Russian low fantasy idea I had. And, and it's, it's really good. Uh, I got to read that one a little early. Right. Violent and it's that dude. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, thank you everybody that tuned in and uh, especially thank you to all my panelists who uh, took the time out of the day to come just chat about everything around gods and goddesses and demigods and all that jazz. But uh, really appreciate y'all, uh, y'all coming on and, and chatting about it. And uh, everyone that's tuning in right now, make sure you check out the live D D session coming up in about five minutes. Um, <laughs> that should be a lot of fun. Uh, and, uh, that'll be our last, last thing for, uh, for TBR con 21. So, uh, thank you all who've been here the entire week and, uh, we'll be doing this again next year. So thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you. It's fun. Yeah.